Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 291. Fire, 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 fire. Your daily dose of inspiration, encouragement, and energy from the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. Prepare to ignite now. This is Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas. Entrepreneur on Fire. Fire. Fire Nation, what if I told you you never had to go shopping again? Trunk Club, an outfitting company for men, has your back. Sign up and have a personal shopper send clothes straight to your front door. Go to trunkclub.com slash fire today. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Troy Broussard. Troy, are you prepared to ignite? Absolutely, man. Let's get it on. All right. Troy operates his business from his home in Brazil, Central Florida, and Bandon, Oregon. Traveling between them with his wife, Adina, and three children. He loves to travel and is an instrument-rated private pilot that runs his business from the road with nothing but his trusty MacBook Air year-round. Given Fire Nation just a little overview, Troy, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. And then give us an overview of your business. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, first of all, just great to be here, John, big fan of what you've done with the podcast. So glad to participate, man. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been around in the industry in a lot of different uh, segments for, for many years. I started out as a programmer and soft software developer back in my days with uh, blue cross blue shield of Illinois and into, uh, some work that I did for, for many years at Encyclopedia Britannica in downtown Chicago and ran technology departments there for, for several years. Yeah. And involved in that whole craziness in the dot-com era when they went to Britannica.com and launched online and were considering doing an IPO and all of that craziness. So kind of an old veteran in the online scene for sure. And then, you know, things have changed around a bit. Uh, I took a kind of an early retirement in my 20s for two or three years and just stepped out of everything together and uh, went back down to Brazil to kind of reconnect. I had come down here as an exchange student in high school and fell in love with the country. And so I kind of took some time off and came Came back down here and spent a couple of years and ended up, uh, you know, getting married and going through that whole thing and starting a whole new uh, venture. My uh, two brothers, an older and a younger, were doing uh, custom homes and they started branching into commercial and residential subdivisions. And uh, I joined forces with them to help on the whole business side, even though I didn't really have a construction background. I had a big business background. And so we kind of launched into a whole nother, uh, you know, Troy part due of the lifestyle and <laughs> left everything with programming and went into construction and land development and residential and commercial subdivisions and had a couple of cabinet shops and all kinds of stuff there in the Northern California and Southern Oregon area. Um, and then in 2008, lost everything. I mean, went penniless. I lost my retirement, lost everything, uh, had a bunch of stuff going in some big subdivisions when the market kind of collapsed in 2008 and uh, a few million dollars that was in escrow all fell out and had to start fresh. So 2009 shut down over 14 businesses and uh, I ended up moving down to Brazil to be close to my my children and uh, my wife and I 
divorced at the time and kind of started a whole new lifestyle for me in 2009. And I figured, you know, here I am at 39, having to start out deja vu all over again, right? <laughs> having to start yeah. out fresh and figured, you know, if I'm going to do it again, man, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it lifestyle independent this time. So uh, started building up our Articles on Tap uh, company, which is actually part of CTC Ventures, which is the parent company. And Mike and I uh, partnered up on that, launched that business in 2010 and built it up into a seven-figure business by 2011 and running it all, you know, uh, internationally. I travel a lot. I've got a couple of homes down here in Brazil and then I travel back and forth between East and West Coast where I've got homes as well in California, or excuse me, in Oregon and uh, Orlando area. So I'm on the road a lot and we've got it all set up with, uh, with our workers in four different countries that we manage virtually. So it's, uh, it's a pretty nice gig. I've been fortunate enough to be very successful in the organic SEO front. And now we've parlayed that into um, a large business on the SEO and content services side, specifically in content services and syndication nowadays. Wow, what a story. I mean, rags to riches to back to rags to back to riches. I mean, it's just that classical theme that I love talking about here at Entrepreneur on Fire because it's that reset button. And, you know, some people are listening and saying, wow, I almost wish that I would just lose it all just so I had that total reset button because I would do it all differently again. And of course, at 39, you're going to do it differently because you have all the experiences and the knowledge and the direction you want to take it. I mean, I had no idea where I wanted to go at 23. And now here I am at 33. I have a lot clearer direction. But I'm sure at 43, if I had a total reset button, I'd head off in a different direction. I mean, it's just like experience continues to build off of itself. And Troy, before we really dive more into everything that you have going on, because I'm really fascinated with how you built this so quickly into a seven-figure business, let's just talk really briefly. And I do mean briefly because we don't have a lot of time to talk about this subject, but I am fascinated about the Britannica.com IPO and then maybe Wikipedia coming in and doing some things. Can you just talk to Fire Nation for about 60 seconds about how that whole thing went down? Yeah, it was a really interesting time. And when I went to Britannica, they were on the mainframe still. So um, they were all VAX based and all kinds of stuff. So it was kind of insane at that time. And I led a software development group to get them onto client server technology and, and really kind of redo their whole infrastructure there. And then shortly it went into the whole online and they tried to go forward with Britannica.com and position that as uh, you know a system uh, for getting the content out there and working with schools and all of that. But but the reality is it just, uh, you know, content has become so easily available uh, with Wikipedia and the whole dynamic changed just very, very quickly. Uh, I love Britannica, have uh, great um, connections with that company to this day. I love the experience. I love the people. It just uh, is a unfortunately, one of those things that has evolved over time, people's expectation of content and the value of content, it's really become a different dynamic in today's business world where content is expected to be free. And it's uh, changed things a lot from the door-to-door sales of Encyclopedia Britannica, which I still think is just a you know spectacular business. I mean, I can remember back in the day where the Britannica encyclopedias was the prized possession of a lot of people's homes. You'd walk in, you'd see that displayed right up front. Now you walk into people's homes and you pretty much just see iPads and, and desktop computers and iPhones laying around because that is actually an encyclopedia Britannica in a pocket or just on your lap. So it's really interesting to see how that industry has changed. It's the same thing has happened with the music industry that Seth Godin always talks about. Thanks for bringing that up, Troy. I really love that little dive 
dive into it. You know, they made a very strategic shift as well, where they became, I think that they're, it's a perfect example of how, even though the, the free version of content and everything is still out there, they were very smart in that they shifted their business model as a trusted resource. I think that that is something that's so lacking in this concept of free content everywhere, is the trusted advisor, somebody that can actually defend and propose the content and stand behind it because they're trusted in who they are. And so Britannica used that and went into uh, tech, into the educational system and provides their site as a service and reference material to the educational environment. Now, it's not the mainstream encyclopedia door-to-door that it used to be, but it's still very profitable because they adapted to that. So I think it, it, there's a good lesson in that for all of us to learn is that, yes, content is freely available, but that doesn't mean that it's great content that's freely available. So being a trusted advisor to your uh, circle of influence is what really has the value today because, yeah, people can go Google and find everything for free, but who do they trust? I think that's what's most important today. Absolutely. And the lesson there is they were willing to pivot. They weren't just being bullheaded and striving ahead when it was obvious they were fighting a losing battle and they made that happen. They carved out their niche as that trusted site. I think most of us do realize that when we say, yeah, I'm going to go check it out on Wikipedia, we say it with a little bit of sarcasm because the joke is out there that you really can't fully trust everything on Wikipedia. Obviously, most of the stuff is legit, but you would never want to bet your life on it. So, Troy, let's move into your favorite success quote for a second here, because we love starting these interviews off with a success quote to get that motivational ball rolling. We went a little this way and that way at the beginning, because there's just so many interesting things about your journey, but let's bring it back now to the core and take that away. And I'm going to go a little old school here and show my age and go back to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> a little older than you here, John, but no worries, man. Um, I was born in the 70s. Yeah. Okay. We're going we're gonna to time warp straight to Yoda and Star Wars. And Yoda said, do or do not, there is no try. And I absolutely love that. I've refined it to make it a little simpler. I just say, try not, do. And I'm really a big, big proponent of that. In my house, my son that's 16, he knows that is a try. I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that. That's like a four-letter word in my house. Boy, if you say try, you better be running because I'm up on top of them. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that word. I think that when we try something, when we tell ourselves we're going to try, what we're really doing is we're giving ourselves an immediate out. We're giving ourselves an immediate excuse for not having success. And I just don't accept that. Um, I'm a really laser focused guy. I mean, this is a guy that bought an airplane before he knew how to fly because there was no consideration that I wouldn't become a pilot. That I just never had that as a second doubt because I knew that if I wanted to do it, I would do it. And so it's just my mentality. I just don't accept the word try. I think that it, it's a big reason for failure. And as entrepreneurs, we don't have a boss. We don't have anybody guiding us. We have to be the ones that are ultimately accountable. So I think eliminating the word try from our vocabulary has huge power for our lives. Fascinating, Troy. And those are just great insights. I agree with them fully. And let's move forward in your journey now because you've had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. You've already shared with us that up, down, up, down that you've gone through thus far. Really a great journey, but pull out one for Fire Nation. Just one story that you really think symbolizes your entrepreneurial failure or just a failure that you faced at some point in your life. And then share with us how you picked yourself up from that and move forward. 
You know, I think the biggest failure was clearly the loss of the land development company and uh, in 2008 and shutting it all down in 2009. Um, you know, I had put everything into it. I pulled my retirement, pulled my savings, cashed out the IRAs um, and 401ks and everything. So I had dumped every single thing into that and build up, built up a very comfortable life at that point. I had my own plane. I had a second home. I had, you know, the caddy and the, and the Harley Davidson and everything else that everybody wants. I had all of that stuff. And then boom, it was gone literally almost overnight. Um, when all of everything fell out of escrow, so that was a huge, huge failure for me. And then shortly later, my marriage fell apart too. And, um, it was really pulling the rock out from underneath or the, uh, the rug out from underneath me. But it's something that I kind of go back, clear back to my childhood. When I was 10, my uh, sister, who was 18 years old at the time, was killed in an automobile accident. And so I just had this, always have had this innate focus and determination in myself. And, um, and it comes from that childhood experience of just uh, making things happen and, and seeing that tomorrow is not guaranteed, right? Um, here I was 10 years old learning the life lesson that anybody can go at any time. And so while I don't take this risky lifestyle of jumping out of planes and doing that kind of stuff, um, I'm not into that, but I I do fully embrace this concept that there really isn't a guarantee of tomorrow. And so if you live in the moment and you live for today, uh, I was listening to William Shatner speak at uh, Traffic and Conversion Summit earlier in the year, and it was just amazing listening to him because we sh- had a lot of these same connections where, you know, what do you really have to fear about failure? The fact of the matter is, you know, you don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Just go out and try and put yourself full heartedly into stuff. And and see where it comes, or see where it goes. I mean, um, and that, so that's something I've always embraced. And you know, for having to start over in 2009 was was really tough. But I had done it before, and I knew that I could do it again. And I think that that is probably the strongest thing an entrepreneur could can possess is that sense of self-confidence and the willingness to fail, but the willingness to learn from it and not dwindle on the failures, but just constantly focus on the progress and keep putting that effort in. When I started my content services business, I started out as an article writer. I started writing content for, you know, 75 cents, a hundred words and, and just bust in my butt at that until I could, you know, slowly over time adapt and grow and put somebody in there as an editor and then put a team. And, you know, we grew that to over a hundred outsourced managed resources in our team, um, just through a continual refinement and evolution. And it, and it happened very quickly. So Troy, let me cut in here for one second, because I don't want to go away from this point. You're doing such a great job of pulling out for us. Is that ultimate failure? Because so many listeners right now, they are terrified of putting it all on the line like you did and then losing it all. You're a living, breathing example of someone who did that. So that's the biggest fear that keeps people from going. It's almost like this dark chasm exists. If you put it on the line and you fail, you're gone. You disappear forever. They have that incredible fear that paralyzes them about that exact thing happened. And that exact thing happened to you. So really take us down to the ground level. We want to be there with you the week, the month after that all happened and share with us, show us that it's not as terrifying as it is. Yes, you lost it all. You lost every single penny, but you weren't thrown on the streets. You weren't begging. You weren't homeless. What happened? Share with us that moment. 
Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't far from being on the streets. I'll tell you that. Um, I, I had to, I lost everything truly to the point of selling off stuff at 30 cents on the dollar and things, you know, $150,000 airplane that I sold for 60 grand or something Ouch. at the time, just because I, you know, everything had to be cashed in for immediate just to, to survive and buy me a little bit of time. But, you know, it all goes back to that understanding of what is really the failure. Um, and then my marriage went with it. Right. But I still had my children and I I still had responsibilities as a father and I had a responsibility to myself. I look at it. I'm not a, a religious person, but I, I truly respect life. I feel that being here is, you know, a respect, something that we have to, uh, to excel at. And when I look back as a childhood and see my sister gone at 18 years old and, and I realized that failing in business, failing in life, failing in a marriage, those are things we put really, really high on the failure list. But the reality is we're still alive, you know, and you have to just uh, put that aside, not focus on it and realize that you've done it before and, and you can do it again. Totally agree, Troy. But what was one real step that you took when you were at that ground level, that basement that started moving you in the right direction? What was that one step? The one step for me was just looking at what I still had as an asset and putting it to work, getting to work, taking the action so that I wasn't in this continual negativity mode. So I was a piano player as a child and I typed very, very quickly. Um, and I had a lot of knowledge about a lot of backgrounds and subjects. So one of my skill sets was being able to write content. And I just looked and I said, you know what, right now, I'm just going to focus on the immediate goal. The immediate goal is I need a couple grand a month to get by. Yeah. That's what I need. I can, I can live down in Brazil. If I can make a couple grand grand a month. I can pay for my rent. I can, you know, keep things going and start out. I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything. I literally rented a place next door to my ex so that I could be close to my kids. Um, and I just completely eliminated all distractions, eliminated all costs. I've lived with so little people don't realize that. I mean, people think as Americans, especially that we need all of this stuff. Um, and we don't. Uh, I've seen that overseas. So yes, I have four homes, but they're all pretty moderate. They're, there's nothing extravagant. They're probably, uh, all four of them combined are probably less than many people have in an extravagant home. But that's the way I enjoy it. So I learned to just embrace the very small things. Um, I didn't have a TV. I didn't have a DVD player. I didn't have anything. I had a little place where I could rent with no furniture that I could afford. And I just said, you know what? There's one thing that I have to have, and that's a computer. So I got a computer, kept that. And I said, you know what? The one asset that I know I can do right now to take the stress off is type and write. So I'm going to write content. I'm going to get some blogging contracts. And I just went out like crazy taking action to generate leads through Craigslist or whatever was necessary at that point and building relationships uh, with the people. So when I got somebody as a client, I did everything possible to make them happy because I needed that client. I depended on that. And it, so it led to a customer service perspective that really was the foundation of a seven figure business because here today in our business, nearly four years later, we've got people on subscription with us. We've got our number one subscriber on our first continuity program is still a paying member today, nearly four years later. Yeah. Because we focus on that relationship. 
Focusing on the relationship, that is a true aha moment that so many entrepreneurs find, sometimes almost too late, but the ones that find it early and really hold on to that really see dividends coming very quickly because that is such a great focus, that customer relationship, that customer service. I think the difference is, John, and sorry to interrupt, but I think it's a big distinction. Most entrepreneurs that want to do the whole online kind of gig, right, that's so prevalent in, in internet marketing and online today, I think most of them there's a big difference between marketing, being a marketer and being a businessman. I think marketers sometimes are really good about using tactics and building big audiences and all of those things. But a businessman knows how to leverage and build the relationships and really build the financial business side of it. Um, and so I've always learned, I've always been more towards the business side than the marketer, even though I'm in the marketing space, I just have always been the one that's focused on the business and the relationships, not necessarily uh, the tactical marketing du jour. So Troy, let's hear about an aha moment that you had when a light bulb really just went off because there are so many times in your business that you've pivoted just in the last four years and you've realized different things work in different ways. What was one action, one light bulb that went off that you really resonated with and how did you take that actual idea, that aha moment and turn it into success? Yeah, absolutely. It's all tied into the previous thing that we just talked about, about relationship building. But it was a huge aha moment because, you know, as I said, we get caught up in these tactical marketing things and um, we we kind of lose sat, lose track or lose sight of the client. And I had this aha moment when I just randomly was listening to something and they said, you know, call your customers and, and you know, engage more. And yeah. so I just started randomly. Yeah, it's a funny thing, right? Funny how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Basic business 101, which is why I come back to business over marketing. So we started uh, and my partner uh, is more of the back end systems guy and I'm more of kind of the front end guy. So I would just start randomly calling people after orders were placed and seeing how I could help them. And that was really when I started focusing on the person instead of the list then we had tremendous results from that. And, you know, I think that in the online world, we tend to think of the list and we tend to think of the numbers. But I want to give you a true number here that will yeah. kind of blow a lot of your people away. We did our first million in sales online off of a list that only had 2,617 people. And that's a total list size, not a customer list. That's exciting. So, you know, when people think you have to build this huge audience and this huge list to, you know, hundreds of thousands or 30,000 people before I'm going to start making any money, it's really the wrong mindset because you're thinking on the list and the audience and you're not thinking about the person, the individual. So Troy, we'd like to be specific right now. We want to really get into this. Sure. You've opened this lid, not me. What did you specifically do to these 2,600 plus people on your list that turned this big of a profit? Yeah, we specifically followed the trends of where things were going in our business. So we saw people that were engaging with certain products and we went and created done for you services around those mm. products and turned something that would be, uh, for example, um, well, here's a, a really poignant fact. Yeah. Um, BMR, everybody in the internet marketing space knows, knows about Build My Rank and the rise and collapse of it and how effective it was. Well, we were the number one um, affiliate for that product, our site. And 
and we had put um, hundreds of people into the BMR subscription, but it was, you know, a $20 affiliate check. That's not very much, but we never thought like a marketer towards affiliate marketing of, Hey, I got my $20. We went around and built a whole backend system and set of services that supported all of that. So we went out and created our own content for it. We then leveraged the relationship uh, with the owner and helped them through supplying the content through their system for a while. And then we built up services and products and digital products, all that were kind of around the mindset of that particular customer. Now that was just one kind of thread, but just to give you real specifics, um, that was something that was a $20 affiliate sale that turned into just, uh, you know, it built hundreds of thousands in revenue for us through uh, leveraging that by really understanding who those people were, who those customers were and what they needed in their business. I think this is just such great advice for so many reasons. And there's examples out there like that guy who loved Evernote, so he created Evernote Essentials. And then that book went viral and everybody started buying and he started generating a ton of revenue for it. Evernote contacted him and now they're partners. He works with and for right. Evernote. And you did the same thing with BMR Troy. And so there's so many different ways that you can reach out to your audience and really listen to them. What is their pain points? What are they struggling with? And what are they engaged with? And then create products and services to serve that because you already have their know, like, and trust. That's why they're your audience right now. Yeah, absolutely, John. I couldn't agree more. And there's one really critical second ingredient. And I think this is the definition or the um, breaking point between those that get it and those that don't. Those that have short-term success riding a wave of popularity or those that go out of business as soon as that happens, right? Because BMR is a perfect example. They were very, very popular. And then they shut down. Google shut them down. And that whole thing went, right? And our business continued to grow. And the reason is that that after we, you know, kind of rode that wave, we diversified. And I, t this is the biggest thing that most people don't do. And this is what I really focus now is a whole nother level, which is really working with entrepreneurs in a coach and mastermind environment of showing them how to do exactly this. And that is you find the wave, but now you've got to diversify. You've got to take that and, and roll that income into other things, into other areas, into other avenues so that you're not dependent on that one source of income. And I think that's the biggest mistake that so many people make. They get so tunnel vision into something that's working that they don't realize that tomorrow Google can change an algorithm. Tomorrow the life, the world can collapse. And we've seen that in our, in, you know, clients and relationships with people that we have that are too tunnel vision. We've seen people that had a network of AdSense sites making 30,000 a month go to less than $800 a month in just in, you know, 45 days because of algorithm changes or, you know, any type of business change. It doesn't have to be just Google related. So I think that the really important takeaway from that, yes, identify something that can take you up and provide something around it and ride that wave, but then be smart and use that income to double down and invest into other areas so that you're no longer dependent on that one source. Love that, Troy. And there's been so much great content in this podcast alone. I'm super tempted to make this a part one of part two, which I've never done before in 280 episodes of Entrepreneur on Fire, but there's so much good stuff. But what I really want to get to now, Troy, you have a lot of really great things going on with your company, with your business. You've diversified so greatly. Share with Fire Nation one thing that's really exciting you right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's what I'm doing right now. I mean, we built a very solid base, but now I'm really focusing on lifestyle and I'm really focusing on being the most effective I can for my clients. And I think that when we focus on that, 
it really opens the doors. Too many people focus on the revenue and then money. But if you instead take a step up or step back and really think, how can you have the most impact and provide the most success for your clients, then it really makes you think of things differently. So for example, if you sell a digital product that's a training course that has no interaction with you whatsoever and you sell it for a hundred bucks or even 500 or even a thousand dollars, which would be considered a high end for a digital product. What is your success rate that your customers have with that? On most digital consumption, we've run statistics and see even on a $500 digital training product that over half the people never even log in. Half of the people that spend 500 bucks never even log into your training system. I mean, it's just amazing. So if you can't even get half of your people to consume the content, how many do you think are truly going to be successful? And the percentages will really astound you. They're somewhere around the three to four, maybe 5% on a high end that are going to be successful with just a digital training product. So if you think about that and you say, what is it I'm trying to do? Am I trying to make money or am I trying to impact and produce value for my clients? And when you really think about that, what you'll realize is that helping less people, but with higher end group coaching and mastermind programs where they're getting a lot of your personal attention, where you can personally guide the right people, then you build up just this amazing referral engine for your business because then your success rate jumps from three to 5% up into the 75, 85, 90% because you're working intimately and closely with people that are putting a lot of money on the line and they're committed to achieving results in their business. Now, what is that going to do for your business in the referrals that those people are going to make for you as opposed to the referrals from a bunch of people that were unsuccessful or didn't even log in, right? I think that's the biggest telling thing that I'm doing right now in the business. Troy, that's so exciting. And we're running such similar parallel passions and paths right now because I've just recently launched Fire Nation Elite, which is the mastermind for Entrepreneur on Fire listeners. And we have 56 people were growing every single day. It's an incredibly active mastermind that I'm able to go into the private Facebook group, hold monthly webinars, have our membership site with all these resources, and really give my time in this group setting to a very intimate and close-knit group of entrepreneurs. And I'm seeing such great results from that and just the connections that are being made on all ends. I could not agree with that business model more. I'm so excited about it. It's the thing I'm most passionate about right now, equally with Entrepreneur Fire the podcast. But Troy, unfortunately, we need to break off now and quickly thank our sponsor, Fire Nation. There are a lot of things I do online. My entire business is run online. But one thing I don't like to do online is shop for clothes. You end up getting stuff that doesn't fit, looks awkward, or just straight isn't your style. That's why we gentlemen are lucky to have the outfitting service that takes the guesswork out of style, Trunk Club. Trunk Club matches you up with a personal shopper who will send you a trunk filled with clothes for you to take a look at. If you try them on and end up not liking them, just send them back. They have the best style with the hippest brands waited to be sported by you. I speak from personal experience when I say that Trunk Club has helped me experience the easiest, most enjoyable wardrobe change ever. Head on over to trunkclub.com slash fire to learn how Trunk Club can help you. We've now reached my favorite part of the show, the lightning round. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions. And you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? You got it, man. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Honestly, myself. I bought into this concept of being an employee. So you have to get outside of the fear. 
and embrace uh, the fear and conquer, get outside of your comfort zone. So I was holding myself back and I think most people are. What is the best advice you've ever received? Trust your instincts. They're usually right. Love that. Troy, what is one specific action listeners can take in the next 24 hours to bring them one step closer to their dreams? Create a checklist of your own assets. And I don't mean financial. I mean your intellectual assets. And then ask yourself how you can leverage those to provide more value for your customers. Yes. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with you can share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. We use Wonderlist, and that's not with an O, it's with a U. Wonderlist. Um, it is task a list to-do list, but what's beautiful is it works on Android, iPhone, Mac, PC, everything. So it's a beautiful, and you can do sharing across all those platforms as well. Love that. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we mentioned in today's episode by going to entrepreneuronfire.com slash Troy Broussard. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, Troy, what would it be? Uh, my favorite is Work the System and by Sam Carpenter. I think that people get too fed up with chasing the latest strategies when in fact, if you just work on refining a system, you'll be far more successful. Well, Fire Nation, I know you love audio and you can get the audio version of this book for free by going to eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. So Troy, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I always love these questions because <laughs> <laughs> I found myself in this exact situation yes, many times in my did. life. Yes, you did. I um, love it. You know, just starting out from scratch in Brazil and saying, oh, crap, what am I going to do? <laughs> and so, you know, it always comes back to the same piece of advice that I gave earlier. First, starting out with an with a inventory of your assets and seeing how you can provide that value to other people. Um, because we all have this, this internal list of assets. We're all good at specific things. So you have to find that, find the business connection for that, and then go on a one-on-one -on -one angle. So go find people you can help. Don't try to create a list. Don't try to create a system. Go out there and find a person and help that person. Use your assets to help a single person and do that one at a time and you will build a huge empire out of it. Troy, I love when themes develop with Entrepreneur on Fire and you've definitely developed a theme here. I love that. And I've just enjoyed your journey overall. Again, the rags to riches to rags to riches. There's so many valuable nuggets of experience and knowledge you can pull from that. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then share how we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. The parting piece of uh, guidance would be that success doesn't come overnight. It's really an accumulation of a lot of little things that happen over time. And it will come out and surprise you. You tend to focus as an entrepreneur on these big definitions of success, and you tend to lose sight of the little building blocks of success. And so understand that success is a journey and not a destination, and embrace your successes along the way, even though they may be little. 
and just keep focused on that. Um, so that is my one you know piece of parting advice. I think that uh, we get too negative on ourselves. And so focus on those small accomplishments and keep building them. Uh, if you make 1% progress every day in your business, that's a huge impact at the end of the year. And it's way more more than 365% because it's cumulative. But yet we try to go for these 20% home runs all the time. And if you only get two or three of those in a year, what's that going to do versus 500 plus percent of just small refinements? So focus on the little stuff. Um, and as far as getting in touch with me, you can just check me out at topmarketingstrategies.com is our site or the Top Marketing Strategies podcast, either one. Both are great places with a ton of great info and everything that you just gave in your parting piece of guidance, Troy, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, two great books that speak so well to this. And Troy, Fire Nation is well aware they can get the links to everything that we've talked about by going to eofire.com, clicking the podcast tab and finding you in the archives. Troy, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Well, thank you, John. It's been an honor. Look forward to it. Fire Nation. When I started my journey, I was alone. I had a vision and a whole lot of passion, but no one to support and help me along the way. What I needed was to join a mastermind, and that's exactly what I did. Now, I'm starting our masterminds, Fire Nation Elite. Visit FireNationElite.com to fill out your application and schedule a one-on-one 15-minute chat with me today. Thank you for joining us at EntrepreneurOnFire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.